Hey, welcome to the Metal Detecting Show, episode number 13. My name is Kieran, and I've been metal detecting for the last 30 years. And during this week's show, I discuss if you can make a living metal detecting, and we have a regular tech timeout where I discuss sensitivity. And of course, some news from the world of metal detecting and treasure hunting. So, if you want to enhance your metal detecting knowledge and take your treasure hunting experience to the next level, subscribe and listen to the Metal Detecting Show. Hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. We're steadily growing week on week and obviously I hope to continue this growth far into the future. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at DetectingThe or Instagram at the Metal Detecting Podcast or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe on whatever app you get your podcasts from. If your Metal Detecting Club is having an event, and you want to promote it, hit me up. I'll be glad to give you a shout out. Normally, before I get on to my main topic, I would discuss my adventures in metal detecting from the previous week. But I'm afraid my intentions have been washed out with rain and thunderstorms. And as any aware detectorist would know, your metal detector coil is essentially an aerial. And swinging that about on a beach or a field when thunderstorms are expected is madness. So the main topic of this week's show is probably the most asked question on the internet about metal detecting, and that is, can you make a living metal detecting? The short answer here is, it depends. It depends on a lot of factors, such as what is your definition of a living? Where do you live? How many hours are you going to commit to it? Can you travel? And are you only going to sell on your finds or are you going to add some value to your finds? I'll attempt to break it down, so really, this is a how long is a piece of string question, and I'll make an attempt here to cover all facts. Now remember, I am not an expert, so if I'm leaving anything out, or if anything I'm saying makes no sense, make sure to let me know. So let's start with what constitutes a living, or what we are aiming for day on day. So for this example, I will use $10 an hour, as $10 an hour is about the average minimum wage across the Western world. So taking $10 an hour and assuming a 39-hour work week, we have an expectation of approximately $390 a week, or $1,560 a month, or $18,720 a year. So this is our target for a living. We will use $18,500 from now on to make it easier. So, can you make $18,500k a year just metal detecting? Well, if you work at gold prospecting with a metal detector in the gold fields around the world for 39 hours a week, each and every week, I would think that this is an easy target. You will be talking about finding approximately 11 tri ounces or 342 grams of gold just to make your target gold field prospecting. However, when people are asking this question, I don't think they're referring to an ideal situation or a location like the gold fields of Australia. I suspect they are asking, can a General Joe make this target? Now, anybody who has detected will be going, you can get lucky and find a find of a lifetime and meet your target in one hunt, which has happened in the past, but is very unlikely, so I'm not going to refer to any situation that requires a lot of luck here. But assuming that the majority of finds will be made up of scrap and modern coinage, we can use a few averages to make some assumptions. For example, it is safe to say if you go to a park or a beach that you could make an average of $2.5 an hour. Sometimes it'll be more, but sometimes it'll be less. But I think a low estimation of $2.5 is sensible here. So extrapolating that out for a year will bring you to just over $5,000. $5,070 to be exact. 
So we're on our way with 5k in our pocket. But remember that scrap. We find a lot of scrap. But let's say considering the average kg price of scrap copper, brass, steel, lead and aluminium to be approximately $1.63. And let's assume considering copper and brass and lead are quite heavy. You find approximately 5 kgs per day. Again, extrapolating that out to a full year again gives you another $2,119 in scrap value, bringing our total to $7,189. So, as a base of just scrap and modern coinage, we are a long way off the 18.5k here. Now, this is biased towards an average site, but let's say you have access to a very popular beach or an old park that both will have a certain amount of finds with intrinsic value, such as gold and silver jewellery or silver coins. I would think based on a 39 hour week detecting, you would find an average of one gold ring a week and three silver quarters a week. It's pretty conservative. So doing the sums based on the scrap value of 18 karat gold gives us an extra $100 per week for the jewelry, which equates to another $5,200, bringing our total to $12,319. Now adding the 156 silver coins, let's base this on the US quarter weighing in at 6.25 grams and containing 90% silver, averaging at $3 per coin, giving us another $468 to add to our pile, bringing our total to $12,943. Still a long way from our target and I would say right now based on using scrap prices it would be a very hard job to make enough finds to make the 18.5k without adding value to your finds. So how could you add value to your finds to get you closer to that living wage target? Actually, the easiest thing you can do is adjust how you're selling your finds. For example, you could remelt your lead into a fishing weight mold and make three times the lead value. I myself have been given a present in the past of a decimal 1p coin with my birth year on it and guess how much they paid for it? 8 bucks and all that it was was a shiny penny in a box. Unclaimed jewellery can be cleaned and resold at significantly more value than the scrap value. Look how much Civil War bullets go for online. For example, on eBay you can buy a Civil War bullet from any price between 5 bucks to 50 bucks. Throw in a few phones in there and it's open season. So, with metal detecting, you're creating a lot of inventory that you can sell on eventually well above the scrap value, making the target of 18.5k very obtainable. Another aspect to consider when generating revenue with metal detecting in services that can be offered, such as ring recovery, I would expect that someone who has lost a valuable or sentimental ring or object would be quite happy to call a number and have a guy come out at an hourly rate to find a ring. Now, here's the rub. The issue with selling your finds or offering a service is that at this stage, it's no longer a hobby, but it's a job and you can't afford to have emotional attachment to your finds or a collection because at some stage you will need to sell that collection just to make ends meet. So to answer the question, can you make a living metal detecting? I would have to say yes. Yes, it's very possible if you live near a beach or a park that has a high enough turnover of people and people enough to replenish your sites every year and little to no metal detecting competition from other metal detectorists. However, it will be a hard life and you will get sick of it pretty quickly, turning the hobby you love into a job with no health insurance or dental, all hinged on whether you're fit and well to get out there. Would I do it? Absolutely not. But ask me again when I retire. Up next is this week's Tech Timeout, where I talk about sensitivity. Time for this week's Tech Timeout! And this week I tell you about sensitivity. And I'm not talking about how we should take time to slow down and smell the flowers, people. I'm referring to metal detector sensitivity. 
Sensitivity is one of the most abused and least understood of metal detector features. What is the definition of sensitivity? Sensitivity is the measure of a detector's ability to detect an object of a specific size. How often have you done the following? You're detecting away, but you're not hitting any good targets, and you say to yourself, the coins must be a little bit deeper, so you adjust your sensitivity up, thinking it will increase your depth, only to start digging smaller and smaller finds. What if I told you that the effect sensitivity has on your detector's detection depth is negligible and not even worth considering? What you are adjusting when you adjust your sensitivity is essentially the size of the object you can detect. A detector on full sensitivity will detect very small objects such as little bits of foil and can slow. While on half sensitivity, the detector will detect only larger objects without picking up those little pieces. Now, you might want those little pieces, especially if you're gold prospecting for small gold nuggets. Your natural inclination would be to have your sensitivity up full blast. However, if your sensitivity is too high, you can, as I said before, detect minute particles of metal in the ground, which you will waste time digging. You will create a lot of distracting noise with a constant array of erratic blips and bongs going off as your detector is picking up mineralization in the ground. Also, again, if your sensitivity is too high, it can cause your detector to be affected by several environmental conditions such as power line and mobile cell towers. The only good thing about having your sensitivity up high is that when you do swing over a good target, your detector will nearly blow the head off you as your good targets will become very obvious. What about if you go too low with sensitivity? Well, all that will happen here is that you will notice that your smaller finds are getting closer to the surface and your larger finds are deeper in the ground. So if you find that every deep hole is giving you a larger find, I mean larger than a quarter or a pound or a euro coin in Europe, then you may want to adjust your sensitivity up. Something else to consider here is that sensitivity is affected by the cross-sectional area of the object. So if an object is long and thin, it might not be detected depending on the object's aspect to the ground. So, how do you use sensitivity? Well, thankfully, a lot of newer metal detectors have auto-sensitivity, which adjusts continuously on the fly, adjusting as it reads in mineralization and environmental interference. However, if you have a detector that requires manual intervention for sensitivity, you first adjust your sensitivity to the max and then slowly adjust down till you can no longer hear any chatter or those blips and blops as I talked about earlier on. Other points of note regarding sensitivity is that it can have an effect on discrimination and the stability of your detector. Say you have set your detector to discriminate out small iron, however, during a hunt you adjust your sensitivity too high, you will negate the discrimination setting so that small iron finds now will come true. As you can see, adjusting your sensitivity is a tightrope walk between a balanced machine or an unstable machine. I know which I would prefer. Up next is the news and views from the world of metal detecting and treasure hunting. Okay, news this week, and if you filter out all the forest fence stories, you can see that magnet fishing is fastly becoming an extreme sport, with separate headlines that read, Bomb Squad rushed to Hull home after shocking East Park find. Controlled explosion needed after hand grenade is found in Brayford. Bag of bones found in the River Soar. Criminal complaint details murder of a man found dead at Southeast Park. These are just headlines from the last three days. Between murder weapons and bombs, I think magnet fishing is fast becoming an extreme sport. 
let's campaign to have it in the X Games for 2021. Other news, however, and another headline to give you shivers. Anytime I see a headline like this, I think of the Detectorists, the series. The headline goes, Touching History, Beginner Metal Detectorists on 1,000-Year-Old Treasure Discovery. A beginner metal detectorist has spoken of her excitement at being able to touch history when discovering two 1,000-year-old Saxon pieces. And finally, in the BBC News Online, Star Wars and Bond actor Rufus Wright's wedding ring found by Frinton Detectorist. After a social media plea, a wedding ring lost by the Star Wars and James Bond actor on a beach has been found by a metal detectorist called Adam Ferguson. For links to this story and all the stories this week, check out the show notes. And that's it for this week's News Roundup. Okay, that's it. I hope you liked this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast. If you want to contribute or have suggestions for topics to cover, pop us an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. Don't forget to check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com, for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Just search for The Metal Detecting Show. Once again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there and happy hunting, but don't forget to subscribe to The Metal Detecting Show. <laughs>